Okay, good morning. Uh, welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. Good to be with you here today. Uh, before we kind of get into a little bit of a study today, we've got just a, a number of general housekeeping uh, things to address today. Um, the first thing is we sent out just kind of an update to our current reopening plan. And um, are you as tired of the COVID pandemic as I am? Tired of talking about it, tired of having to address different things, um, um, but unfortunately it is what it is. So we sent out an email uh, on Friday, hopefully you'd had a chance to review it. It really doesn't say anything new from what we've currently have been doing or have said already. However, there have been a couple of people that just simply raised some questions are we now requiring masks all the time? Meaning if you don't wear a mask, the head elder or the president is going to come chase you down with a baseball bat and run you off the property. And the answer is no, okay? Um, we are not requiring. We are, however, asking you uh, to wear them as you are able. We recognize that there are some people that have health issues um, and might have other personal reasons. And the state of Indiana, uh, our governor, uh, and the current law has allowed for churches um, to be exempt from the requirement as long as you can maintain six-foot separation, okay? So just be smart, people. We've said that to you the whole time. Um, don't get in a tizzy about this one way or the other. As we've learned from our study of Luther, we're trying to balance all these things and move forward. We certainly want to be able to continue to stay open and receive the Lord's gifts uh, and want to encourage you and make it possible for as many people as possible to come and receive the Lord's gifts. So uh, any lingering questions from anybody that's gathered here? Uh, uh, we've got, uh, well, three of us, four of us that wrote the letter that are present, and we're gladly answer any questions you might have. So I'm going to give you that opportunity first. If not, um, speak now or forever hold your peace. Nothing? Oh, Mr. Long, our president. Yes, sir. Hold on a second. You know what? We have a microphone, and so for the people that are watching us at home or watching later this week, I'm going to just let you speak. This is our, uh, our congregational chairman, uh, also known Testing. as the president, Mr. Chuck okay. Long. Go ahead, sir. Yeah. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I think in terms of uh, lowering the risk of contracting a virus, you've got social distancing and you have mass, and it's, it's, an, it's uh, an or, not an end. In other words, if you've got social distancing, you should be in good, good shape, or if you've got masks, that, that's going to help too. And so if you're keeping that distancing, then uh, I think the mask is a secondary thing, uh, and, and both of those can help you. So uh, I, think, uh, I think we try to lower the risk, but life is, is not risk-free either is the reality. <laughs> Uh, I, 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 have a, I remember a time when I was working many years ago at Chrysler. I had a mechanic that worked for me that all of a sudden didn't come into work one day because a, a driver fell asleep, came across the medium, and hit him head on. Well, he did survive that, but he was in the hospital for many months. And who could have anticipated that? So we just pray that God takes care of us. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Mr. Long. Um, and why don't uh, come on up? I'm going to let uh, our uh, head elder, um, Mr. Steve Votman, speak with you just a little bit. Anything you want to follow up with on the letter? And then he actually has a few things uh, from the Board of Elders that uh, he needs your help with. Uh, we have some opportunities for some service and some need for some folks. Thank you, Pastor. Um, can everyone hear me okay as I speak through this lovely thing on my face? So. Thank you uh, for your attention this morning. It is no great secret that, frankly, we had all hoped when we go back into March that by the time we got to this time of the year, things would be back to normal. And regrettably, they are not entirely back to normal. Uh, but we're getting closer, and we appreciate your patience as, as we work through the health issues that still confront us. And, and we're hopeful that you know, our learned scientists and physicians out there uh, who uh, are working hard to try to figure out what the fix is for this will be successful here on the near-term horizon. And having said that, however, um, what we are going to be asking as elders, as we have met, in case you haven't noticed these past months, 
we have not had any usher teams that have been working. It has been solely upon the elders uh, working through for the right reasons, uh, social distancing notwithstanding, uh, trying to ensure that we are providing for you all, uh, if you will, a clean table each time you go up and receive the Lord's Supper through communion. Uh, however, as we look forward into the fall then, uh, I will be, I'm working on an announcement that we'll send out through the newsletter. I'm probably going to put a sign-up sheet out there. Uh, we would like to ask for those men who are willing to uh, not necessarily get us all the way back to where we were with our elder teams. In case you don't know what that means, uh, we do have established teams of three for both the early and the late service every Sunday. Uh, some of those gentlemen uh, are wa watching and worshiping at home, which is wonderful, and are not yet comfortable in coming back. And to that point, it is our long-term intent to eventually get back to that stage where both our early and late elder teams can resume their full resumption uh, of service. Thank you. That is my lovely bride who, who keeps me in line at all times. I just intermixed elder with usher, I apologize. So yes, what I meant to say is, and thank you, that for the early and late usher teams, we will eventually put all of that back in service. In this phase where we're, we continue to go forward, uh, I'm going to be asking for those who would be willing uh, to serve. Uh, what I'm looking for really is, is teams of two at this point in time. I'm gonna put a sign-up sheet in the Narthex uh, I'll put, uh, a con we can contact Juanita in the office as well. What I'm really looking for is those individuals, including, for example, uh, our college kids who might, like my son, for example, who does not have any in-class commitments and is home for the semester doing online learning. Uh, I'll hold my comments on what I think about that, but, uh, but anyway, those who are, are home and would also be willing to take some time, it is really all we're asking to do at this stage is to dismiss uh, in, and we can talk about the training for this, but really just to dismiss our, our congregation for communion and, and essentially stand in the back and answer questions and, and direct as needed. So it's not back to normal, but we are going to be asking for those who would be willing to volunteer and raise their hand and help us out. And then I'll work with the rest of the elders to put a, a rough schedule together until that point in time where we can get our full usher teams back together. Um, with that, thank you for the time this morning, Pastor. Have a great rest of your day. Okay. Thank you from our leadership, Mr. Long and Mr. Votman. So we need ushers. Uh, let's sign up for that gentleman. Um, high schoolers, don't forget, you're able to do some of that stuff too, okay, if you're not running the computer otherwise. So you know who you are. All right. Uh, let's see, a couple other things real quick. Uh, this morning here, I think they're already done. Pastor Grady had a meeting with some of our 5th through 8th graders and their parents regarding confirmation. Uh, we've publicized some of this information already, but I want to make sure you're kind of clear on our, on our plan moving forward. We made two slight changes, and we've talked about all this in the past year and a half, to our catechetical program here at Advent Evangelical Lutheran Church. The first is that we are opening up confirmation classes to fifth and sixth graders. It is no longer just limited to seventh and eighth graders. So that is completely up to the parents if they believe their child, their youth, is ready to start some of the in-depth catechetical study. They can start at fifth grade. Part of the challenge that we've had, um, and I had this back in Nebraska, and to be fair, it's, it's prompted a lot of conversation and changes within the Missouri Synod, is once our children get to the 7th and 8th grade level, they get very busy doing what? Oh, activities, sports, school. It's a 7th and 8th grade level can almost be just like a, a mini high school. And so recognizing the challenges for that, uh, for uh, parents that... Um, know their children are going to have some, some uh, time commitment issues, um, and obviously fifth and sixth grade is a little more uh, open in terms of schedules, um, and you might just have, a, again, a fifth or sixth grader that is capable of, 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 of handling uh, some of those deeper issues and, uh, and catechism in general. So, um, so it's two years to be confirmed. That's the requirement. So if you start at fifth grade, you could be confirmed at sixth grade. If you start at sixth grade, you can be confirmed at seventh grade. If you start at seventh grade, you get confirmed at 
eighth grade. So we're asking the parents to be smart um, and to commit uh, two uh, consecutive years uh, still are required as they have been uh, as much as possible, okay? So that's that's the, the first uh, uh, change that we've kind of made. The second one, we've talked about it, and uh, as pastors and elders, we decided that uh, we were going to go ahead and implement and offer it uh, because we've had a lot of parents that have asked about it, and that's First Communion. And so we are offering First Communion for those youth, children and youth, who are prepared. What does that mean? Well, Scripture says, before you eat and drink of the Lord's body and blood, a man ought to be able to do what? Examine himself, okay? So we're not talking about communing infants or babies or even, you know, padaya, very young children, uh, toddlers. They need to be able to recognize their sin. Luther explained it this way, uh, that you should know the Ten Commandments, you should know the Apostles' Creed, you should know the Lord's Prayer. And so we have put together some requirements uh, for First Communion, and I'm just going to read through those briefly with you. One, um, the parents need to request it uh, for their children, um, and uh, obviously presented by the parents if someone is under 18 years of age. Number two, the youth should be able to examine themselves. That's contrition, turn from their sins, repentance, and desire the sacrament for forgiveness of sins, faith. Okay? They should also have a basic knowledge and understanding of the small catechism, um, and I mentioned a few of those already. They need to have memorized the Ten Commandments, uh, the close of the commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the words of institution, the Lord's Prayer, uh, Matthew 28, 19, otherwise uh, more modernly known as the Great Commission, Mark 16, verse 16, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved, whoever does not believe shall be condemned, and John 20, 22 to 23, uh, where Jesus gives the authority to uh, uh, loose and bind sins, okay, off to the keys. And so once a youth knows those things, desires the sacrament, and the parent says, hey, my child is ready to receive the Lord's body and blood, and all this stuff is there, is there any reason we should withhold the Lord's Supper from someone who has that faith, knows those things, and desires it? Speak now or forever hold your peace. So Scripture does not give an age level for the reception of the Lord's Supper. It doesn't set it at, at fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. It doesn't set it at nine years of age, which, by the way, is what the Roman Catholic Church does. It's all about faith and knowledge. Um, and it's a little more work on the part of the parents, but that's the way it should be, correct? So we're not going to have First Communion classes, Okay. Uh, uh, children and youth who uh, uh, do not uh, do First Communion, then will have First Communion whenever they are confirmed, whether that's at 6th grade, 7th grade, or 8th grade, okay? Um, I grew up in the very traditional Missouri Synod model. <laughs> First Communion was when you got confirmed, and that was at 8th grade, okay? Um, and uh, and that's, that's just the way it's been the last 75 to 100 years. Historically and traditionally, though, quite different. Okay, and so there's a lot of changes going on in the Missouri Synod, and we haven't really arrived at something that all Missouri Synod churches will do. So um, uh, this is this is our way forward here at Advent, but it's perfectly in line with what the Missouri Synod uh, has given us and is allowing us to do as well. Any questions on that? We've talked about that a little bit before. Nothing really. Okay. Oh, Mrs. McKay. If you have, the question uh, asked is, if you have First Communion before confirmation, do other churches recognize that? Some do, some don't. And so keep in mind with First Communion, um, let, me, let me back up. Where should you normally be taking communion anyway? Your church from your pastors, okay? Anytime you go visit another Missouri Synod church, uh, you are a guest there. And you should never, even if you're 46 years old, assume that you should take the Lord's Supper there without talking with the pastors. So anytime you go to visit another church, okay, regardless of how old you are, um, go talk with the pastor, um, announce, call them even ahead of time if you know you're traveling, and say, hey, um, you know, uh, Pastor, uh, uh, whatever, Pastor Ullman, I'm coming to visit you this Sunday. Um, and just want to let you know I'm a member at uh, Advent, and I'd like to take communion. And, uh, and most pastors will simply give you an opportunity to confess your faith. 
right? They might ask you simple questions. What do you expect to receive when you come to the altar today? And if you say steak and potatoes, the pastor's probably going to say, nah. <laughs> you say the body and blood of Jesus uh, under the bread and wine, he's probably going to say, what a joy to hear that. You know? And he might ask you, why do you want to receive the Lord's body and blood today? And you say, I'm a sinner and I need it. Okay? Um, and he might even ask you other things. What does your pastor think about you communing here with us? Okay? That's a really good question. I like to ask people that as well. Okay? Um, are you under any type of discipline? Are you having any challenges at your, at your church or just in general? Um, because it's, it's, it's soul care and, and the Lord's Supper is, is, is very important. So, okay? So um, if you are, uh, your child has First Communion, you go to another church, go talk to the pastor. Um, and um, uh, a lot of times he might say, welcome to the Lord's table. He might say, we don't normally do First Communion until eighth grade and since your child is fifth or sixth, you know, um, would you mind not taking it? And if so, that's fine. That's their practice at their church. You need to honor those churches and, uh, and, and, and their practice and receive it at your church where you normally do. Okay? Did that answer your question, pastor's wife? All good? Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Oh, Mrs. Longworth. Oh, we're still doing all that. We're still doing all that. Okay, the question was, for confirmation, we've made it a really big deal, right? We put graduation robes on them. We give them diplomas. I'm being a little facetious here. Um, but we have cake, and, and it's a big celebration, and it's kind of a rite of passage, of course, I don't think any of us as parents would say that eighth graders now become adults at that age. I know I would not. I've got kids <laughs> that have come through that age. Uh, they're not really adults yet in the church. Um, but uh, confirmation is still a good and God-pleasing thing. It's an opportunity to confess the faith, and we recognize it's kind of a rite of passage. Um, there's been a lot of talk of actually moving confirmation back a little later to high school age which is actually what the Roman Catholic Rite of Initiation has done. Um, and there's some interesting discussions going on. I doubt we'll change that. But back to your question, are we going to do anything, you know, big and grand for First Communion? And the answer is no. Uh, the answer is when they're ready, the biggest and most important thing is what? The body and blood of Jesus that their faith is going to receive. Okay? And I'm going to point out someone here today, and you can... You can you can clap or send a card if you want. Uh, Caleb, uh, over here. Wave your hand, Caleb. Uh, Caleb, Thursday uh, uh, late afternoon, uh, his parents called me and said, hey, um, our son um, knows all this and wants the Lord's Supper. I said, that's awesome. I said, now I need to go examine him. And I did. And so I uh, went there uh, to their house, uh, had some wonderful cookies. Thank you for that. And, uh, and we went through all this stuff, and Caleb uh, had, has learned it all by heart. And, uh, and I said, you know, when you want to receive Lord's body and blood? And mom and dad and Caleb said, Sunday. I said, okay. So at late service today, if you're going to join us, there's actually in our Lutheran service book agenda, those are known as the rubrics, there's a rite of First Communion. And so uh, during uh, or after the sermon, before the prayers of the church, uh, Caleb will simply uh, come up in front of the church. I'll ask him a few simple questions, but he's been examined by his parents and by the pastors, and he'll receive the Lord's body and blood uh, uh, for the first time here today. Now, children and youth that go through First Communion, does that mean they don't have to go through confirmation? Of course not. Uh, we ask the parents uh, and, and really kind of make it a requirement um, that you're still going through confirmation. Um, and because you need that additional, we'll have, we have things we talked about on Thursday, right? That you're like, oh, crazy pastor. I don't know the answers to those questions. And I said, that's okay. We'll cover that in confirmation class. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more specifically. Okay. Uh, and so he'll get some of that as well. Okay. All right. So for now, we're not, we're not going to, you know, have two big kind of celebrations that way. Uh, we're just going to do it when they're ready. And let the big thing be uh, receiving the Lord's body and blood. So kind of low-key. Okay? Any other questions, comments, concerns, rotten fruit you want to throw?
Mr. Votman. The Lutheran Service Book Agenda. There we are. I'm on now. So just case in point, it, we are not making new doctrine here or anything. Both the right of confirmation and the right of First Communion are in our Lutheran Service Book Agenda. That's the point I wanted to make. Okay, so if you can see up here on the board, this is, this is a cup, this is a piece of bread, okay? Uh, so there are two pathways to receiving the Lord's body and blood, okay? Traditionally here at Advent, it has just been confirmation, okay? So once you commute confirmation, that then includes First Communion, okay? Now what we are doing, and this is according to Missouri Synod polity and practice, so this is not a new thing that we are uh, advertising. That's too, I can't read my own writing. Boy, that's bad. First communion. I don't think in a year and a half I've ever used this board. Can you see it okay? Yeah, you can. You know what I'm talking about. Okay, so now you can go through the pathway of uh, first communion um, to receive the Lord's body and blood. So there's just two ways to prepare to receive it, okay? Now, confirmation still stands as it is, okay? So confirmation will still be, again, at the completion of those two years, uh, still a requirement. Why? Because of the additional teaching in Matthew 28, Jesus says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing and teaching them, right? So the teaching continues. And I hope that's probably why you come here on Sunday morning as well, that you're continuing to learn. So even to be fair... The process of confirmation does not mean you're done learning, okay? And so I've always told the kids, don't look at your confirmation certificate as a diploma that you've graduated now and you no longer need to take classes because that's part of the other problem we've had in the Missouri Synod. Kids get confirmed and they fall into a deep, dark hole never to be seen from again. And I see some of our retired pastors nodding their heads, okay? So First Communion does one very important thing, it gets the Lord's gifts to those that are prepared to receive it sooner rather than later. And we believe those gifts make a big difference. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and so that's a real blessing. And then the, the teaching, you know, continues from there. Okay. I don't know if that was helpful. Oh, Mrs. Longworth. Yes, go ahead. I love you, Kay. Go ahead. Oh, yes, I am. Yep. Yep, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So, um, so part, again, of what we're doing is using this as an opportunity to instruct our parents what they should be teaching their children, what they should be encouraging, serving, and doing as parents as well. So we start that as at, a, at, a, at a little younger age, okay? Um, I'd have a hard time imagining that we're going to have, you know, anyone younger than, you know, I mean, second, third, or fourth grade to me would be pretty young. We, we did this at my last parish, and I know uh, during the call process, you talked with uh, Pastor Wolf Mueller, um, who had this in practice in, in place at his parish as well. Um, and so we made this switch at my parish in Nebraska years ago. Um, and to be fair, only a handful of parents took advantage of it. Uh, a lot of parents just kind of left it the way it was, um, or eighth grade was good enough for me, so it's good enough for my kids um, and we're going to leave that on you as parents. We're just going to say that the 7th and 8th grade year are very difficult years, and there's a lot of temptation that takes place. And so in our opinion as pastors, we would prefer that these children and youth are better prepared before those temptations come. And if we truly believe the Lord's body and blood strengthens your faith and is the medicine of immortality, is a great gift, if they're ready to have it, why would we not want them to have it sooner? And I think that's really kind of one of the underlying questions to help them, um, you know, receive these gifts during difficult times. Okay?
So no judgment on any parents. Uh, that's up to you to know your children and to train them. Uh, we stand ready as pastors uh, to receive the results of your training and education, and we're here to help you. And uh, above all, we just want the Lord's gifts to be given and received uh, according to God's plan. Okay? Okay, any other questions on that? Pretty good? Good, good, good. Okay. Uh, just I told you it was kind of going to be a housekeeping day today. It is Labor Day weekend. Um, would you, uh, Jen, would you uh, stand up real quick? Um, we're going to have a recognition uh, here in a week or two or three weeks. We have a deaconess intern now here at Advent. It's Mrs. Uh, Jen uh, Sukula, and uh, you've heard her uh, play the trumpet uh, quite a bit. Uh, she's actually has a, uh, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, a doctorate in trumpet. Is that, <laughs> is that right? She's a music teacher. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and she's going to continue to teach on the side, but she has always had, uh, it's, it's almost been a lifelong desire to serve the church in some way. And she is now our deaconess intern here at Advent Lutheran Church. Okay, you can sit down. I won't embarrass you anymore. I know you don't like that. Jen is going through the long-distance learning program, which means that she's still living at home, taking care of her daughter and her husband, uh, still teaching uh, on the side as well. And so for the next two years, she's going through classes up at uh, our seminary in Fort Wayne to become a deaconess. And uh, she will be going through uh, all of her internship here at Advent. Um, and so what this means is, um, if you need help on a board or committee, do not call her. <laughs> she's an intern, uh, and we have a plan for the next two years of what she's going to be studying and learning, okay? So she's not a deaconess yet, um, and, uh, and, and God willing, in two years, uh, she will be, and uh, hopefully even a deaconess here for us at Advent. That's that's both of our hope and prayer, but uh, we need to work through all those things together as a church and as an individual, and I'm really excited about that. So she'll be learning this next year. We've got a plan in place that you as leaders actually have not received yet. Uh, Jen and I just kind of finalized that this last week, and uh, we've sent it off to the seminary for their approval, and I'll share that with you here uh, this next week. Uh, about uh, how she's going to be working. But you're going to be seeing her around. Some of you that are on boards and committees, she's going to be uh, sitting in on some of your meetings. She's going to be taking on a few projects here and there. Um, if you need help in some way, shape, or form, come talk to her supervisor first. <laughs> and if she has time in her schedule or it's part of her program, um, I might let her help you in some way, shape, or form. But two years of education, we're very glad to have you, Jen. Uh, she's uh, uh, very bright and skilled and uh, just really thankful uh, of uh, you putting yourself out there and letting the Lord work through you. Thank you for that. Okay, seems like there was one other thing I wanted to cover. We did First Communion, we did Confirmation, we talked about the silly COVID letter, all that stuff. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's have a prayer, because now what I want to get into is a little bit of, uh, of Bible study today. We're kind of in between. We finished up uh, Luther's uh, uh, essay this last weekend, and I've heard from many of you how much you enjoyed that, and thanks be to God uh, for his word that was spoken through Luther, I think uh, uh, very fitting. And uh, let's have a prayer, and then I'll talk a little bit about what we're going to do in Sunday Bible class uh, from this point forward. The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, give us an increase of faith, hope, and charity, and that we may obtain what you have promised, make us love what you have commanded, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, up on our screen, you'll see a, a brand new book that uh, just released. It's called Faith in the Shadow of a Pandemic, uh, and that's written by uh, Professor uh, Pless, uh, a wonderful professor, a colleague of mine up at the Fort Wayne Seminary, and uh, we've got some River Forest folks here, Dr. Corzine, uh, who's a professor up at River Forest. He's kind of one of the bright young bulbs uh, up, uh, up there and a great professor. And the two of them tag-teamed, uh, and they actually started this kind of back in the spring and then kind of finished it up. And this was my plan to take you through this for Bible class this fall. But I'm tired of talking about the pandemic Okay, so I'm, <laughs> all right, 
So I'm going to commend this to you. What I'm going to do here this morning, we've got about 15, 16 minutes left. We're going to read through the introductory remarks from Professor Pless and Dr. Corzine. And if you want to read this book, I'm just going to give you the information. You can get it through CPH, uh, 849. There's another tab if you go over to Amazon. Um, there's a Kindle edition, but it doesn't, uh, it's it, uh, not available until September 8th. So this is a brand new book. Um, and I've read, I've read it already because I got an advanced copy because I'm special, right? Uh, and, uh, and I really, really would commend it to you. So if you're still struggling with some of the COVID pandemic stuff, this is a wonderful new resource that's put out there uh, by two men who I greatly respect and trust, okay? Um, go back real quick. The, yep, go, let's go. Nope, there you go. Let's go to the introductory remarks. Um, and, uh, and we're going we're gonna to go from there, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down here so I can read it. You don't need to see me. Okay, so this is, uh, this is Dr. Corzine. My nervousness about COVID-19 seems to have expressed itself in terms of food. I remember clearly discussing the possibility that there might be some kind of run on the grocery stores with my, with my wife, uh, Tia. It was March 3rd, I know, because it was my birthday and we were on our way to a concert. Later that month, it was about more intentionally stocking up on food, still mostly for fear that others would shop irrationally, not for us, of course, but also a little bit out of the concern that things might be hard to get. We built up a two-week backup stock. Not so long ago, news stories about meat processing plants closing started coming. We increased to a three-week backup inventory. I didn't want to act hastily, but I want to be prepared. Say amen if all this stuff went through you and your household. All right. Okay. Some of you still have too much toilet paper at home? All right. At the same time, we watch church on our TV. Until yesterday, we hadn't been to the Lord's Supper in over a month, and I'm very much wondering what a new regularity around the supper will look like. We're surely more cautious than some. My wife works at a hospital that has a lot of COVID-19 patients, and she's pregnant. So our caution feels grounded both in an extra measure of protection for ourselves and in an extra measure of protection for our neighbor. But an incredible number of things feel uncertain. One is how long this will go on as it is going right now. Another is how long it will go on in our minds and those of the people around us. Wrestling with these questions myself and then with colleagues like Dr. John Pless, among others, led to this book. The lessons we are learning from COVID-19 apply far beyond. Personal and social disasters and the upheaval they create in our lives, our families, our congregations, and our communities. Huge disasters such as earthquakes, tornadoes, war, and even another pandemic are likely to raise similar fears, questions, and concerns in the future. We know we're not the only ones who live in the tension between hope and fear, but we feel we know how to address that because hope and fear in the Christian are a piece of what it is to be simultaneously saint and sinner. And I'm going to reread that sentence, okay? We know how to address this tension between hope and fear because hope and fear in the Christian are a piece of what it is to be simultaneously saint and sinner, right? This is the simile, as you'll hear me talk about. I don't say this in order to speak a word of condemnation against those of us who fear, but rather one of deliverance. It's also into the midst of our fear and fears that Jesus Christ enters with hope and peace. Fear alone is paralyzing, but fear among the faithful may drive us to Christ. And then, properly emboldened, we may return, no longer paralyzed, but rather freed and enabled to show love to our neighbors. As we speak largely about a life of vocation in this book, that's a main part of what is unique to the Lutheran perspective. Anyone can serve the neighbor, and many people do, for which we thank God. But for those times when we fear of personal cost, for those times when fear of personal cost keeps us from this service, and, and now go back and think about what Luther talked about. We studied that already, okay? The importance of serving your neighbor. Um, the gospel promises us that everything we have from God is ours because of Christ's merit, not our own. God's love for us is freely given and unwavering, and so our attention to love for neighbor has no competition. None of the good we do is for ourselves, but all for the neighbor. An attempt to delineate that is what you'll find in the chapters that follow. We hope the reader will find comfort, encouragement, and something like liberation from fear and the trouble it brings. Okay? And now, Professor Pless. 
I was teaching at the Lutheran Theological Seminary in Pretoria, South Africa in early March when news of the spread of COVID-19 in the United States had captured the attention of the media. On March 13th, I left South Africa to return to CTS in Fort Wayne, where I fully intended to be teaching my courses in the classroom and enjoying the full range of campus life in the new quarter and smoking cigars out on my back patio with any and all students and pastors that would come grace my door. We'll see if he listens to this, because that's true. Such was not the case, as the campus would shut down and my residential courses would migrate to online delivery. Within two weeks, it became apparent that courses would continue online for the rest of the academic quarter, and alternative arrangements would be set in place to manage other aspects of seminary life. As director in our seminary's field education program and teaching courses in pastoral theology, I found my students were forced to navigate a new reality of online church services and pastoral care from a distance. Dr. Jacob Corzine approached me with the thought of teaming up to write a short book directed toward a lay audience that would address the Christian life in the congregation and the world under the impact of personal and social catastrophes like COVID-19. You have the results of our collaboration in this little volume, Faith in the Shadow of a Pandemic. We want to thank Dr. Bruce Kentz, President and CEO of Concordia Publishing House, for his enthusiastic and prompt embrace of our proposal for this book. His support and the cooperation of his professional staff have made it possible to release this work in a timely fashion. We believe that Lutheran theology is not only thoroughly biblical, but also realistic. Luther wrote his Heidelberg Theses in 1518, further developing the 95 theses he had posted the previous year. He asserted that the theologian of the cross calls a thing what it is. We offer no sentimental solutions for Christians struggling with life under the cross in this pandemic. What we do have to offer are the sure and certain promises of God and Jesus Christ that comfort and sustain believers as they are tutored in vocation. This is really a book about vocation, that is, the life of faith and love. Called by the gospel to faith in Jesus Christ, we are not extracted from this world, but reinserted in it to live as masks of God, showing love to the neighbor in our various callings. It is from this angle that we want to draw on our Lutheran theology to encourage, strengthen, and challenge believers to respond to COVID-19. We cannot yet see the end of this pandemic, nor do we know its long-term impact on our day-to-day life. Once restrictions are lifted and businesses reopen, the imprint of this experience will linger. Already fears are being expressed about a reoccurrence of this pestilence, and even though we are writing in the middle of an unfolding story, we are prompted to write now. We send this book on its way with the prayer that our Lord would have good use of it for the edification of his holy people as they seek to live in faith and love under the dark shadows of COVID-19. We are not given to despair, but to the lively hope that is guaranteed by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. It is he, not COVID-19, that is Lord. Thank you, Dr. Corzine and Professor Pless. Okay? So uh, I'm going to commit that book to you. And uh, what we're going to do now, starting this next Sunday, I want to open our BIBLEs. Is that okay with you? We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to study. My uh, initial plan, thanks, first of all, to all of those that responded. I, I had a lot <laughs> of options for Bible study. Okay, uh, a few recommended other books that we can study, um, and many of you recommended books of the Bible. And, um, and I, I thought to myself in the midst of, of taking all this under consideration, does it feel like we're in the middle of the apocalypse right now? Does it? I mean, a little bit into the world type of stuff? I mean, I, I, you know, I used to watch the news every morning. I'd fix the boys' breakfast. I have the news playing in the background. I'd drink a couple cups of coffee. Then I'd go shower and come to church. And I'm having a hard time even just watching the news in the morning. I've been turning it off. Um, I mean, it's just, it just kind of grates on you after a while. And, I, and I'm not politicizing anything. I'm just saying it's just, it just seems like there's just bad stuff happening every day and all the time. Um, scripture talks about this. We live in the end time. So here's my thought I want to run by you, okay? How many of you have done a really good in-depth study on the book of Revelation? Raise your hand. Other than pastors. Just to... Yeah, I think you might have answered my... Pastor Grady and I were talking about this. So 
We're going to do a study on the book of Revelation, but in order to properly understand Revelation, okay, um, because it is, it is both prophetic in terms of what God is revealing is taking place in heaven and what will come, we need to make sure we understand biblical prophecy. And the best way to do that is to first do a quick summary of one of the Old Testament prophetic books. And one of my favorite Old Testament prophetic books is, actual, is actually Daniel, the book of Daniel. Raise your hand if you've studied the book of Daniel. Just a few of you. We're going to do a short Bible study on the book of Daniel so we can lay a foundation for what prophecy means. We're also going to look at what God reveals to Daniel a long, long time ago. And then when we get to Revelation, you're going to go, wow, that's like the same stuff, man, except it's even more amazing, right? It's, it's more detail, right? It's like, it's like watching the Super Bowl. You used to watch it on a little 13-inch black and white TV that's pixelated, you know, and, and then all of a sudden you get tickets, 50-yard line at the Super Bowl, and you're like, wow, this is so different. You're seeing everything, and you're hearing everything, and you got the jumbotron, and you've got your smartphone with your earbuds, and you're listening to what's going on at the sideline. You're like, wow. And so that's what we're going to do. We're, we're going to get in, and we're, we're going to kind of do the 13-inch black and white TV, and then we're going to get more specific with it. The book of Revelation, you ready for this, is about the apocalypse in terms of the revelation and the manifestation of the Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But I'm going to also summarize Revelation in one simple word to you. Worship. Okay? Communion with God. And when you start to understand Revelation, you really don't get too carried away with some of the crazy stuff that's going on because it grounds you in great promises of hope of what the Lamb of God who was slain has done for us, okay? Now, I'm going to have you just real, I'm going to give you a little teaser. Uh, can you pull up, uh, go to Microsoft Word, and yep, nope, not that one, the other one. I want you to scroll down just a little bit. There's going to be a couple of little charts. Scroll down. I'll tell you when to stop. Keep going. Because there's some really, oh, did you miss the charts? Where's the charts at? Well, they're not on there. Go over to the uh, uh, Chrome. Go to Chrome. Do I have it open? Oh, I do. Yeah, go to that one. That's it. There we go. This is what I, I had it open. The silly pastor. Go down just a little bit. No, no. Go back up. Stop. Stop. Okay. So, a lot of Christians, and this is fun. If you if you if you talk, you know, when we get into both Daniel and Revelation, we're you know we're going to talk about the end times. No doubt, you've had a conversation in your home with coworkers, with other people, oh, man, this is, this is it, right? Uh, you know, uh, Jesus is going to return, or you get some sort of millennialism, which is the false view of Revelation. So the, the false timeline, and this is actually taken out of the Lutheran Study Bible, for those of you who have Lutheran Study Bibles, okay? Uh, so Christ's visible uh, earthly life, you know, that took place up until about 30 to 33 A.D., depending on, on how you date things. You've got the church age, which is we are in now and have been in for almost 2,000 years. And then this is what some Christians teach and believe. Christ returns secretly, okay? Uh, and Kirk Cameron loves this stuff, okay? If you like Kirk Cameron when he was, he, was, he was younger in the sitcoms, for those of us that grew up in the 80s, that's fine. Just don't watch any of the more recent Kirk Cameron stuff, the Left Behind book series and TV show. It's nonsense, okay? And it's of the devil. It's dangerous. If you have any questions on that, contact me, okay? Um, some Christians believe that Jesus is going to return secretly, and all of a sudden, boo you know, there'll be an airplane without a pilot, okay? Or half the people on the airplane will poof, just vanish, and then they're going to be raptured up into heaven, Okay? Um, and then there's going to be seven years of tribulation. There's going to be seven really bad years. Sounds like the, you know, Joseph's dream, right, with the fat cows and the skinny cows. There'll be seven years of tribulation, and then there's going to be a battle. Oh, yeah, and some of you are really looking forward to this, right? You've got your stockpile of guns and ammos. My dad was cleaning out the basement last week, and you know what he found? 
When I was in sixth grade, I made a pair of nunchucks. Hadn't seen them since I was in sixth grade because being a ninja was all the rage back in the mid-80s, right? And, uh, you know, so I'm going to have my holy nunchucks to do battle, right? So, so if you've got nunchucks and you're waiting for a battle, you know, these Christians would teach you that that's coming, okay? Then Christ is going to return now <laughs> a second time, visibly, and then he's going to bind Satan and he's going to begin the millennium. And there's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ. Okay? Now, this is not true, but a lot of well-meaning Christians, and you probably know some of them, or maybe you've been in this camp before, um, there's going to be a thousand years of reign and, and, and things will be good. And this is kind of a second opportunity for those who didn't get raptured up at first. Okay? You see where the theology gets a little sketchy here. And uh, then Satan's going to be released. So let's see, Jesus defeated him on the cross, right? But, but he's not, because then Jesus is going to have to defeat him again. But then Jesus is going to release him. I'm confused. Are you confused? And then there's going to be resurrection of the wicked for final judgment in the new heavens and new earth. So this is why people get so confused with Revelation. And, and I'm going to attempt through this study to really simplify Okay, the end times for you to understand where we're at and, and what worship is and what Jesus has done. Now, Revelation's true timeline, I'm going to give you just a, a sneak peek. Okay, uh, Christ bound Satan by his death and resurrection. So Satan has been bound. This is why we say Christus Victor. Jesus has defeated the devil. But the devil wants you to be tempted to believe that that hasn't happened. And that's what happens when you fall into despair and into fear. And you think that the devil is, is more powerful uh, than Jesus and God's plan. And that's not true. Lots of scripture on that. There is a thousand-year reign of Christ. We're in it right now. It's not a literal thousand years. It's symbolic. So we're going to talk about numerology. Because when you get into Revelation or even Daniel, there's numbers in the Bible. And some people get really crazy with the numbers. But the best way to interpret numbers is let scripture interpret scripture. And we're going to do that. Okay, so Christ reigns in his church now. This is why we as Lutherans are referred to as amillennialists or amillennialists, which means really a symbolic thousand-year reign. Okay, now scripture tells us near the end of the world, Satan will be released by God to deceive the nations. God's going to allow him to do a little more work. Okay, and remember that, that uh, what, the, what happens to us is only based on what God allows. Read the book of Job, you know, in 1 Corinthians 10. God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but God will provide a way out that you can stand up under it, right? So God himself does not per se tempt. He allows the devil to do that, but it's always for the purpose of strengthening you and growing you in your faith, okay? Then there will be the resurrection and the judgment day. So the question a lot of people are asking are, are we in this time now? And I think that's a fair question. You know, I mean, you, you, you talk to, uh, you know, there's not many left, but uh, members of the, the greatest generation, you look at what happened, you know, all in the space of a few years surrounding World War II. Uh, my, my grandma talked about this, uh, and she rests from her labors now with World War I. And, uh, and, and not only the, the, the flu pandemic that swept, but, you know, World War I was, wow. You know, and is this the end times? And so now here we are. We, are we at the end times now? Great questions, and we'll kind of answer some of those, okay? Uh, and then, uh, yes, Christ will return, not secretly. Everyone will see it uh, and uh, see him and hear him. And there will be now uh, a new heaven and a new earth, okay, that he's going to create. All this, including the bodies we have now, um, will be nothing, brought to nothing, okay? He will transform all things. There will be a new creation, new heaven, new earth, okay? So that's just a little snapshot. Uh, we're going to start uh, this study. I'm not sure what I'm going to call it yet. Danilation, Reva Daniel. Uh, so I'll come up with a catchy name, but uh, we'll do an overview of the book of Daniel, and then we'll dive into Revelation. So that's what we're going to do on Sunday morning. They're also, the last thing I'm going to say, uh, will be another adult Bible class that's going to be offered on Sunday morning as well. So if you like a little more, sit around the table and engage in a smaller group. Uh, Pastor Grady is going to be teaching a Bible class called Enduring Faith. It's based on the same curriculum that our Sunday school classes will be using as well. 
So for those parents who want to do it, that class on Sunday morning will be in the library as well. Okay? So now you've got two options on Sunday morning. We also uh, start our classes here this week on Wednesday. So, um, and not only do we start our classes, we're also offering a new uh, public worship service opportunity. Wednesday nights, 6.30 p.m., uh, we will uh, pray Vespers. Uh, so if you're free, you want to, you need a little bump on hump day, uh, it's been a tough week. Come at 6.30, it'll be a short service, and uh, we'll have the organ going and the candles lit, and uh, we'll receive a little Jesus. And, uh, and then confirmation classes, 5th through 8th grade, will go from 7 till 8.30. And then whichever pastor is not teaching that class, there will be another adult class offered on Wednesday evenings from about 7.15 till 8.15 roughly. Um, and that'll be um, a refresher, will basically be a, a catechism class. So if you want to refresh your memory on the catechism, uh, we'll be going through a catechism, you know, and obviously adult class, we might take some tangents that the kids don't take. Uh, but uh, come join us for that as well, okay? Wednesday morning Bible class will also start this next week from 9 o'clock till, or 9.30 till 11 o'clock, okay? Uh, where am I? What am I doing? Okay. Any questions or comments? So we're kind of getting back into some activities here. We also have a, a, a new uh, ladies fellowship group called Ladies Night Out uh, that is starting in October. Uh, we've still got our book club that is going, I think, as well for ladies, kind of, Yep. And uh, Men's Steak Night uh, will uh, slowly be resuming as well. So be safe, uh, be healthy, take advantage of all these things as much as you can. We good, good? Two thumbs up. Let's stand and uh, pray the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.